Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Anyhow, are you ready for the Bible today? All right, Philippians 2.13 says this, For God, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It's God who works in you to will and to act. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the privilege that we have to gather in your name. Jesus, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you and for what you've done. And we give you honor and glory and thanks. Thank you for the time to just worship you, Jesus. You're worth every moment, every word, every note, every key. You're worth it all. And we bring you our worship today. And right now, our hearts are open. We want to hear from you. Thank you for your ability to speak to us by your word. Lord, let your Holy Spirit instruct us. I pray for the empowerment of your spirit, God, to share what's in your word today. Lord, let our hearts and our eyes be open as we hear your word. We just believe that each one of us are going to get something that's meaningful for right where we are in life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we've been in this series called Keeping Score, and we've seen over and over again over the last several weeks where it looked like the score was bad, like when Jesus' disciples deserted him, it looked pretty bad. When Jesus is arrested and tortured and crucified, it looked really bad, but God, amen? But God, but God had a plan, and he had a plan to pay for our sins. He had a plan to remove our shame. He had a plan to empower us and to enable us to live for him. And then the reality is God is running up the score against the enemy. Amen. And so last week we talked about Peter's restoration, that after the resurrection, Jesus came to Peter and restored him from his failure. He had denied Jesus. And I want to take you back to Peter's failure today because there's a powerful lesson that I want to draw out of it today. We're going to go back there and then we're going to leap forward, uh, you know, to to Peter's life after um, the resurrection of Jesus. So in Matthew 26, 31, it says, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. They're like, yeah, what Peter said. Yeah, I'm with Peter. I really believe that Peter was sincere when he made this declaration. His words lined up with his character and who he was as a person. He was a man of passion. And yet, once Jesus was arrested, then, certain enough, all the disciples deserted him, and Peter returns to kind of hover around the proceedings. And in Matthew 26, uh, starting in verse 69, we see Peter start to make these denials. Somebody will come to him and say, hey, aren't you with, with Jesus? Or, or didn't we see you with him? Aren't you one of his disciples? And 
first time he denies knowing Jesus, the second time he denies it again. And in verse 73, after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call curses down and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Now last week, we looked at Peter's restoration. We looked how after the resurrection, Jesus met them on the Sea of Galilee and brought them in and he cooked some breakfast and he starts asking Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Those three times. And each time, Peter's, yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, you know all, Lord, and you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. And calling Peter back into his service, calling Peter back, not rejecting him, but pursuing him even in the midst of his failure. But there's this nagging question. What happened? Why couldn't Peter keep his commitment to Jesus? What was it, what was it that, that in his weakness that he went and denied Jesus? Well, Peter had good intentions. Anyone here ever have good intentions? Talking to the right people. But he didn't have the power within himself to follow through. And Paul, he describes this epic struggle that humanity faces of wanting to do the right thing and not being able to do the right thing. Am I talking to the right people? Romans 7.18 says, For I know the good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out, Peter's like. Amen. That's me. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on going. I keep on doing. This is exactly what Peter was experiencing. He could not do the good he wanted to do. His intentions were pure. He meant it with all of his heart, but he couldn't do it. Been there right? Have you ever felt like powerless where you've been in the place where like your carnal nature, your sinful nature just undermines your best of intentions? I planned on being good to my neighbor and yet they did that and it just kind of set me off, you know, and I didn't really plan on lying, but you know, I, I just kind of got in the moment and I just started lying and you know, I, I, you know, I meant to be pure and, and you know, a pure person sexually, but then I, I just, you know, I just I got in the situation. I just couldn't do it. Paul concludes the chapter in Romans pointing to Jesus as the deliverer. And in the next chapter of Romans, chapter 8, Paul articulates what it means to walk in the spirit rather than to walk in the carnal nature. This, this challenge that we have here on earth of this carnal nature that wants to undermine uh, the, our great intentions in the Lord. And yet he's, he begins to explain that who we need is the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 and 6 says this, The mind governed by the flesh is death, 
and the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Can I read that to you again? Y'all catch this today. The mind governed by the flesh is death. Let's just pause right there. Doesn't that make sense? Right? In our carnal nature, in our flesh, like in our sinful nature, like that leads to death. We've seen it over and over again. I'm like, man, I got an A plus in that class. I get it. And then there's that but. But the mind governed by the Spirit, speaking very clearly of the Holy Spirit, is life in peace. I got to tell you all, I'm about to get excited here because this was actually Jesus' plan all along. He knew that we needed the Holy Spirit. He knew that we were powerless on our own. That's why in, in John chapter 3, when he's with Nicodemus, he just starts to kind of leak it early, if you will. He begins to say, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, what? You need to be born of the Spirit. He's like, uh, you need to be born again. He's like, born again? Like, that sounds gross. Like, in, in, Nicodemus is so technical. Like, he's drawn Peter, uh, Jesus a picture. I don't think that's going to work, you know? And he didn't really draw him a picture. But he's like, I don't, I don't get it. And, and, Pete, and Jesus is like, hey, You need to be born again. He told his disciples in John chapter 14, I'm going to send you a comforter, a teacher, the Holy Spirit, who's going to remind you of everything that I have told you. And after the resurrection, Jesus has several encounters. We talked about one of them last week, right? In one of those encounters in John chapter 20, it says, verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. We were in our John Sunday school class, it feels like a few months ago when we were on John chapter, uh, no, we, we haven't got, this was the, from the Holy Spirit class. We haven't got to John chapter 20 yet. Yes, we get to do it again. It says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And we said, you know what we think happened in that moment is they received the Holy Spirit. Jesus waited until after the resurrection. Now, it's interesting the timing of this because the disciples were trying to hang with Jesus, right? They were trying to do the right thing, and yet they all deserted them. And there was something about that they needed to learn along the way, which was you cannot do it with your best intentions and with all of your natural strength. You do not have the power to truly be good. I know that could be a little offensive. What I mean is good like God's kind of good, which is completely a good person. We just don't have the power to do it. We can dabble with good. We can do some good things. We can do meaningful things, things that are a blessing to others and all of that. But the ability to truly be good, you just don't have enough strength to actually do it. Accepting that will set you free, especially if you accept him in your life. Part of the reason why you know, I want to share this with you today is because Peter's desire to serve Jesus, it was, it was right on. He wanted to do the right thing. He's declaring, I'll die with you, Jesus. And Jesus is like, hold it right there. It's fascinating. Is like, it could have been handled a lot of ways. 
It could have not been addressed at all. But I think Jesus needed Peter to know that Peter couldn't do it. And we have to know that in life, like, to serve the Lord and, like, to follow after him, like, we cannot do it in our own strength. And some of us, we have been trying so hard to do the right thing, but we're doing it wrong. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And for some of us, it's the, I'm not going to do it because I really, I want him to love me. Whoa. He already does love you. He already does care for you. He's trying to save you. And you don't have the power to do it on your own. The Holy Spirit, Jesus comes in with his disciples. He breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And yet those same disciples, he's going to tell them, go and wait in in, uh, in Jerusalem and wait for the gift that my father promised, the Holy Spirit, because the, the, the Holy Spirit was not just for the disciples, not just for those who had become the apostles. The Holy Spirit was going to be for all the believers. And so he says in Acts chapter 1, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift from my, that my father promised, which you have sp- heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I really believe that Jesus had to let Peter fail. He had to let him do his very best to know that he didn't have it. What we had last week was such a key part because Jesus, if you will, he lets Peter fail, but then he goes back and restores him. Because remember, we were talking about last week, like Peter was there, but he wasn't there. In his own mind, he wasn't worthy to serve Jesus anymore. That's why Jesus was like, feed my sheep, you know, serve my lambs, like he, over and over again. He's like, I'm not worthy. And Jesus is like, come on, come on back in, come on back in. I, I, you know, you, I'm going to give you what you need to serve me. And then they would receive the Holy Spirit. I asked early, have, earlier, have you ever been in that place where you had the, the best of intentions? Have you ever been in that place where your carnal nature, your sinful nature undermined your best of intentions and you felt powerless? I want to tell you that don't allow that to disillusion you. It's so easy for a believer to go, I just can't do it. Whenever I hear that, I'm like, yes, that's it, that's it. You can't do it. You're getting it. They're like, I'm getting it. I can't do it. Yes, that's the lesson. That's it. You can't do it. You seem really excited about my failure. Because you need phone a friend. People are calling in from the website. Say amen for me. When we get it that we can't do it is when we have the opportunity to get it that he can empower us to serve him. And that we humble ourselves before God and he empowers us and enables us to serve him. It breaks my heart when I see someone striving only to get disillusioned. But see, God's not going to change the way that it works. He's not going to fix your carnal nature. He's killing your carnal nature. 
And so you can't, you can't do it that way. It won't work. It can't work. It has to work by way of the Holy Spirit working in you. But here's the thing. Having the Holy Spirit working in you and through you is like drawing you closer and closer to Him because the Lord is close to you. And it's just the better way. Try harder is not the answer. I remember um, years ago and uh, in my driveway, I had this issue where like the water was washing out stone in my driveway. And uh, this was, I don't know, the first few years I was living here in Goochland. And uh, I was like, well, I know what I'm going to do. I got my project hat on and I was like, Bob the Builder, Mike the Builder, you know. So I got this shovel and I had a Saturday set aside. I'm going to dig a French drain. And uh, we're going to put this drain in there and we're going to put this. I had it all and the water's going to come. It's going to go in this drain and it's going to go under my driveway. Hallelujah. Got my shovel out there. Chink. Chink. Chink, chink, chink. And I probably worked at that thing for five or ten minutes and got like pebbles out of the ground. And what I realized was I had a shovel and I was basically, you know, it was gravel. I just thought I'd just be able to dig it all up. But because of the compaction, it was just solid like cement. That shovel was never, <laughs> ever getting through that stone. I had a buddy who said to me, oh, hey, you're doing, you're doing such and such. Let me know if you need me to come by with my backhoe. And I'm like, oh, it's, I think I'm fine. I got a shovel, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> all of a sudden, the glory hit me and I realized I need my friend with a backhoe. And... You know, that day, so he comes with the backhoe, and it's amazing what hydraulics can do. And just digs that thing up. And it was like this lesson of it was never going to happen with the shovel. I had to have the right tool. I had to have the right situation to really dig through that ground. And sometimes in our serving of the Lord, we're out there with a shovel, and we mean the very best. We're, it's so good. You set the time aside. It's going to be a holy time, and I'm going to serve the Lord. It's going to be great. But you see, you cannot do it in your own strength. You just can't do it. And you know what? God knows it, and God's okay with it. You see, you bring those good intentions in that heart, and you bring them before the Lord, and you say, God, I need your help to do this. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in accordance with his good purpose. You see, it's him working in you. And when you feel yourself in that place of temptation or you feel yourself in that place of, I know how this story goes, that's when you cry out to him and say, I need your help. I need your help. I can tell that I'm going to fail on my own. I need your help. I need your strength. And then he goes, run. And you go, okay. <laughs> and you run. What are you doing? I don't know, but I'm running. That was the thing he told me to do. You know, we first receive the Holy Spirit when we become born again. It's this really beautiful thing. The New Testament just extrapolates it over and over and over again, what it means to be born again. But when you have that time in your life where you say to Jesus, Jesus, I'm all in with you. I actually don't want to be the master of my life. I want you to be the master of my life. 
Lord, what you've done on the cross to pay for my sin, I ask you to forgive me for my sin. And I just ask you to come in my life. This point of commitment, there is this thing of being born again where you are born of the Spirit and where you come into life. And it, it, honestly, it kind of looks like the sky is bluer and the grass is greener. Like Life just looks different when you have committed your life to Christ. And I always encourage folks, you, you can believe in the Lord, but you need to make a commitment to him of turning your life over to him. It is a serious thing. It is a big thing. It will cost you everything you have to give your life over to Jesus because he wants all of you. But not because he wants to control you like a robot, but because he loves you wants to watch over you, and he has a plan and purpose for the way that he created you. And he, he doesn't want you kind of out of, it, out of, out of the, the world, if you will. He wants you completely in, in his domain. And he, who gave his life for us, is worthy of all of us. He's worthy of all my life. And I just want to encourage you, if you're not in that place where you've made that commitment, where you have gone from, I believe in him, to he is my Lord, I just want to encourage you, like, make today the day. April the 16th, 2023, you've paid your taxes now, and now you've given to Caesar what is Caesar, and now you can give yourself to the Lord. But in all seriousness, like, giving yourself fully to him. And it, Honestly, it's like, it's not just the moment. It's the lifelong privilege of saying, I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours over and over and over again. If you're here today and you are uh, a believer and you're saying, I have been trying too hard. I've been trying to, I've been out there with my shovel trying to do the right thing. And I need to call in the backhoe. I need to call in the, back, the big guns and just say, God, I need your help. I want to tell you that he is ready. He is ready to help you in your weakness. He is ready to, to help you through what you're going through. He is not ashamed of you. He loves you. And he wants to take that shame away from you. And he wants to give you life and strength in him. He loves you and he cares for you. But he's not going to empower your carnal nature. He's going to empower you by the Spirit. The mind that is set on the Spirit is life and peace. Would you stand with me today? Today, if, if you are online and you're like, you know, I really need to give my life to Jesus. Like, I need to go all in. We just want to rejoice with you. If you're online, will you go to victorychristian.church and click on Next Steps? And just uh, fill that out because we want to pray with you. If you're in the room and you're like, man, I really, I, I need to take that step. Don't leave here without letting me pray with you today. Because it is the greatest decision you will ever make is to put your life into his, his hands. I want you to know, he loves you. He cares for you. And he has been patient with you because he wants your heart and if that's you today, don't leave today without letting me pray with you. If you're here today and you go, you know, I've been trying with this shovel and I need, 
I've got some areas in my life where I just need to do it differently. I want to encourage you before you leave, we're going to have the prayer team come up to the front here today. Um, or if you have another prayer need today, and I want our prayer folks to come up now. Even if you have another need, we were talking, we were singing Waymaker, and when Brenda was sharing about just, uh, you know, God can make a way, whether it's healing in your soul, your mind, your, your body, there's something else that you're facing, and you need the Waymaker to come through today. I just want to encourage you to, to come and to receive prayer. Let us pray with you and, and, and root you on, because God is a Waymaker. He is not done with miracles. He's not done showing off his glory and his power. And he cares and has solutions for what you are walking through and what the people that you love are walking through. And so I want to encourage you today, if you would like some prayer in any area, um, you can come up. I'm going to close with prayer. And you just slip up here and get some prayer before you go home and get filled up. Amen. Lord, we come before you today. And God, I confess, we can't do it. I can't be good in myself. I need you. We need you. And so, Lord, where we have tried the wrong way, maybe we've tried because we felt like we had to get good enough to get back into your good graces. Lord, that's just the wrong way to think. We just got to cry out to you. Thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit empowers us. Your Holy Spirit gives us thoughts of life and peace. Your Holy Spirit enables us to follow after you. So, Lord, we just say, Lord, come. Come and meet us in this place. We need you today. We love you today. And Jesus, today, we want to proclaim you as a good Savior. Lord, you you paid it all, and we thank you for it. Thank you that we can hold our head high, not because of what we've done, but because of what you've done. Thank you that we can hold our head high, Lord, because you've removed the shame. And thank you, Lord, that you have empowered us to be able to follow you. Lord, we're humbled by that. We just say, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need your wisdom and your leading and your guidance. We need your, the pause in our life to just know that unction, that leading of your Holy Spirit. God, we trust you today. We worship you today in this place. Father, let your encouragement and grace be on everyone in this room and online. We love you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.